Hello and welcome to a very exciting new era in the Commitment Issues podcast. I'm Nick Kruger, hosting this week as Woody Womack is in a real must-be-nice scenario out in the Bahamas, drinking Mai Tais. Oh, Bermuda. <laughs> Bermuda. I've already, already entered, started the show with our first error. We just can't uh, throw out tropical places and start with B and hope that they're You know awesome. what? And we'll, and we'll talk about speaking in gross generalities here shortly, but uh, you've already met one of my co-hosts here as usual, Rob Cassidy. Rob, how are you doing today? Well, good. It's good to be back. I don't think I've been on the show for like a month. Uh, I forgot we had a podcast for a while until you texted, but uh, you know, it's good to be back in the chair and talking to you guys. And somehow Dave Lackford, backed by popular demand, somehow just horned his way into a, a permanent co-hosting spot on this show, but the people love him. Got to give him what they want. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Good to be back. Let's let's get it. So plenty of stuff to talk about this week, surprisingly. Uh, lots of compelling uh, things to talk about. But let's start off with this. TJ Sheffield, a high, uh, highly ranked commit uh, to Notre Dame for a period of time, puts out a, you know, as we're used to seeing now these days when kids make, uh, you know, strong uh, announcements, whether it has to be with their commitments, decommitments, top schools release, et cetera, puts out, uh, puts out a note and a tweet on social media, uh, basically calling out the Notre Dame coaching staff, saying that he had been committed shortly thereafter, uh, gets notice from the, from the staff, the, the same coach that he committed to, that they would not, in fact, honor his commitment. Um, really, really just putting, putting Notre Dame out on blast. And, and guys, what do you have to say about that? That's really something that you don't see every day. Well, he was really nice about it. <laughs> he was nice about it. He was, it was very classy. It makes me think that his dad wrote it. <laughs> but um, Woody, Woody was uh, hitting me up. So he's like, um, where is this kid going to commit to, right? And I said, I don't know. I, I'm hearing that he's a take for Purdue. And he's like, yeah, I don't know where he's a take anywhere else. And uh, he said most of these schools that I'm talking to, well, not the schools, but you know, like analysts that cover the schools, they're saying that he's not a take. And then, of course, he commits to Notre Dame. So I shoot Woody a DM like, ha, ha, <laughs> you know, talking trash to Woody. And I wish he was here because um, uh, he was right. You know, the the Notre Dame guys, shout out to them. They, they were right. He actually wasn't a take. Um, so, Rob, you, you know what's going on. A lot of these times these kids try to commit to a school um, and, and they're not a take, but in, in, in his tweet, he said he called the receivers coach and the receivers coach told him that they're, they're very excited to take his commitment. And he, he announced it on Twitter, but then, um, he comes out a couple of days later and says, after talking with the staff, they, they told me that, that he's not actually a take. So Rob, you've been doing this, Nick, you've been doing it for a while. How common is this? Yeah, the wide receivers coach screwed up. I think it's pretty clear what happened here is I think he <laughs> he probably overstepped his bounds. He'd been recruiting Sheffield, uh, doing his job, probably making a relationship there, and then told him, yeah, sure, you know, you can commit, and then went and checked with Brian Kelly, I would assume. I uh, gave Brian Kelly the heads up. It's pretty clear that, I mean, this is, you know, obviously just me using logic. I have no inside source of this, this is what happened, but so it seems like what happened, and Brian Kelly said, ah, uh-huh. you know, be careful about that, so... He had to send, you know, Alexander back uh, to deliver the bad news. And, you know, this happens probably. We see this probably, what, twice a year, Nick, I think. And I always say, you know, everybody knows the stakes here. Kids can change their minds. Schools can change their mind. I don't – I never – you know, I'll never uh, besmirch a player for, for decommitting from a school. And, you know, it, I'll never besmirch a school for dropping a player. This is, this is how this game works. And until the NCAA fixes it, uh, you know, everybody going in knows the stakes. And, and, and this is just, you know, a byproduct of that. Well, this is this is where we're hurting a little bit from not having Woody or 
uh, perhaps even somebody from from our Notre Dame website on on the podcast to talk about this a little bit. Well, because- the thing is the coach can't defend himself. So whatever happened, we only get one side of the story here. We're going to get Sheffield because he's allowed to talk about it. The, you know, by bylaw, coaches can't talk about current recruits. So it's not like Brian Kelly or Alexander can come out and say, uh, here's our side of the story. So you really, you're only getting one side of what happened. And that's just how this works. Uh, they're going to have to, you know, take this to the grave, I guess, so to speak, uh, with Notre Dame. They just have to kind of take the PR hit. Uh, and they're never able to publicly explain their their side of the things. All right. Well, I, well, okay. So I have a couple. I have a couple of quick questions here. For, first question is: Did anybody on the Notre Dame staff, assistant coach, recruiting coordinator, or otherwise, post a post some kind of tweet after he made his announcement that said something like, uh, "The Irish got another great pass catching leprechaun," or something, <laughs> something to that effect after he made his announcement. <laughs> second question. Second question. I'll, I'll just put them all out right now. Second question is. And and this is where we're hurting for not having Woody on the podcast, as he's in Woody's coverage area. He's a, he's rated as a five point seven on our website, so he's like he's right on that he's right on that uh, four star fringe there as far as as being a prospect is concerned. And Notre Dame, I'm looking at their class right now, blueandgold.com. No wide receivers committed in this class. I mean, do do they? I, I mean, is is this kid is this kid not really all that truly not all that good, or or what's the story there? I've never even seen this kid play football. I I. I'm sure I've been at a camp that he's at, but I have no idea on how to weigh in on how good he is. He's from Tennessee. Uh, as you mentioned, he's one of Woody's guys. Have you seen him, Lackford? You're from kind of down there in the Tennessee, Kentucky area, or lived down there anyway. Yeah, I watched his film, um, and uh, he looks like one of those guys that's kind of um, an athlete more so than a slot receiver. He doesn't really have the fluidity that you want. Uh, it's kind of like one of those kids where, all right, he's a good athlete. Let's get him on campus and see what he does. He's got decent speed. He's running away from kids. Um, he, he, he looks the part. I, I thought that he would be a take for a team like Notre Dame. Maybe, um, he could do a lot of things out of the slot, maybe, um, a jet sweep type guy. Uh, he just doesn't have like that wiggle that you want from a slot receiver to run those intermediate short routes. Uh, so maybe he just didn't fit into the system. Another I think interesting they, question on all this that I can't figure out. Why did it take five days to decide that he, <laughs> that he wasn't a take? You know, he states Because in, here's what it is. There, I'll tell you why. Because it looks bad if he commits on social media and then like a day later, he's like, oh, no, I'm not a take. Like there had to be some kind of like damage control meeting. Like how do we make this not um, a debacle as far as Notre Dame's concerned. So they, they probably had to smooth some things over. But here's my question. No, d- does, does that look worse after a couple of days? I think I think the appropriate thing to do right away is for the yeah, staff because to now it looks like now, now it looks like they just let him twist in the wind for five days. Where do you guys come down yeah. on this? Well, I, I can imagine – I can. I can imagine the wide receiver coach at Notre Dame just walking around the hallways in the in the in the football facility with a cap like tucked over his eyes, like hoping nobody looks at him or mentions anything. To him <laughs> Actually, <laughs> here's a story that kind of plays into this, and this is how you know assistant coaches will kind of you know they're kind of they will rogue out, you know they, they will act as rogue coaches. I uh, when I first when I was covering Texas when I was down there living in Dallas, there was like. So, and I won't name the school or the player, but there was a young kid that was – it was back when offering eighth graders made news. Uh, and a certain school outside of Texas had offered this eighth grader. And you know, back then it was like, can you believe they're offering eighth graders now? Yada, yada. What's the world coming to? Whatever. So a bunch of organizations report that they've offered this eighth grader. 
And I call an assistant at the school who I knew at the time, and he's like, "No, that's not true." You know, so you know, I went out there and I was like, "It's not true." Uh, they have not offered this kid whatever. Got a bunch of other reporters panties in a bunch, and then what ended up happening is the player personnel guy from that school, who I had never talked to before in my life, I talked to one of the assistants, calls me in almost tears. Uh, thinking he's going to get fired, the head coach is going to fire him when they find out. I guess he was on the phone, and he wasn't even supposed to be on the phone as a player personnel guy with the player's dad, the player in question's dad, and got caught up. He says, I got caught up in the conversation. I'd offered him a scholarship without asking the head coach. <laughs> so you have to go out there and like damage control this for me or I'm going to get fired uh, when they find out it was me. So they have all kinds of people working at schools just randomly offering scholarships to people without checking if they're real offers from the head coach. Uh, and I think that's kind of how you get into a situation like Sheffield, where this wide receivers coach was like, sure, you're a take. And then, you know, turns out five days later when Brian Kelly well, Rob, gets word, word. Rob, you have to explain to people what a real offer is, though. What's a real there offer? There is no such thing as a real offer. I mean, I guess the only real offer is if you can commit on the spot, right? But none of this means yes. anything. I, I mean, there's no such thing as a commitment. If we're really, If we're really splitting hairs here that word means nothing. I mean, that's not a real tangible, uh, you know, currency, a commitment. I, I mean, you could commit to 10 different schools if you wanted to. We've seen it happen with a junior college prospect a few years ago. None of this means anything. It's all make-believe. So go back. I'm going to harken back to law school. And when I was in contracts class, I was told that a verbal contract is worth the paper that it's written on. I agree. Right? Yeah. So Okay, so so if you tell a coach, yo, I'm committed to your school, they can take your commitment, right? And and neither of you are bound to that commitment, right? Here's how you know it's real. And I'm gonna tell you how you know it's real. Look to see if that school sent that kid an edit. If the kid tweets out, <laughs> I'm committed to this school. Listen, I'm telling the truth. Look, they'll say, I'm committed to this school. They'll at the coach that recruited them, at the head coach, and there will be an, an edit from that school's editing department. If there's no edit, then you kind of scratch your head. Louisville had this situation happen with a kid down in your neck of the woods, Rob. He's an offensive tackle. I forget his name because he deleted the tweet and the, <laughs> and the commitment wasn't real. But he, he was an offensive lineman. His only offer listed in our database was from Louisville. And he's like, I've, I've committed to the University of Louisville. And then um, my my phone blew up. Like, who's this kid? Who was this? It's from a from a plethora of people, quote unquote, close to the program. And I'm like, never heard of him. And they're like, yeah, me either. <laughs> so so, and and he didn't have an official edit from Louisville. So pro tip to all you recruitniks out there that follow this stuff on Twitter: if there's no official edit. No, I'm just saying, even but, but dude, even if it is a real commitment in air quotes, I mean that doesn't really mean anything. I, what I mean, nothing stops him from pulling a Mike think, Cabongo think, and committing to five different schools, you know, and then everybody's like, "No, we got him." No, and and maybe that's maybe that's the next evolution. Instead instead of uh, instead of a top three uh, schools finalist that we see we see kids release, we're going to say, "I'm going to commit to three schools at once," and whichever one I sign my paperwork with on signing day is going to be. <laughs> It's going to be the one that I go with. And Dave, while you were talking about Louisville and switching into your legalese uh, vernacular, I think now's a good time to switch uh, switch gears and talk a little bit about the situation that's going on in Louisville with Papa John uh, as far as his ouster from the board here this week and all kinds of possible changes going on as he had a heavy hand in the athletics department out there. And, and you were kind of giving us the full rundown about the cause and effect of everything that's going on out there in the wake of all this. So Dave, kind of 
why don't you walk us through what you were talking about before the before the show got started? We can kind of have a conversation real quick about what's going to happen next as far as Louisville's concerned. All right, so John Snatter, he's the founder, creator of Papa John's. This guy is from Jeffersonville, Indiana. He created his business by putting a brick oven pizza thing in his dad's pub in Jeffersonville, Indiana. It blew up. He became a national guy. Him and Peyton Manning are best friends. They're they're sponsoring their pizza on NFL. They're the official pizza of the NFL. They're also the sponsor of Papa John's Cardinal Stadium here in Louisville, Kentucky. So if you go watch a game at Louisville, you're in Papa John's Stadium. Well, recently, um, here's what happened. So you know the anthem protest went down, right? And Papa John um, voiced his displeasure with the fact that these anthems were happening. It hurt the NFL and it hurt his product and his his shareholders suffered a hit because the stocks dropped, right? So he tweeted this out and all of a sudden these white supremacist groups started liking that tweet and it, it kind of caught wind with the alt-right and um, the, the people, the, the, that's not good for business. You know, you don't want the alt-right endorsing your take on something, right? So he hired a firm, uh, a PR firm called Laundry Service. And during a meeting with those people, they, they were trying to understand, they were trying to make uh, Papa John here, John Schnatter, understand how to craft his brand and not be associated with um, basically racist organizations. Okay. And um, it may not have been his intent to empower the alt right or the racist people out here, but. He um, had a conference call, and during that conference call, uh, he was voicing his frustration, and I'm, I'm, I'm quoting uh, Forbes.com right here. So I'm going to read what Forbes wrote about this conference call, and it says, uh, the call was arranged between Papa John's executives and marketing agent agency laundry service. So um, on the call, Shaq. Um, Schnatter was asked how he would distance himself from racist groups online. He responded by downplaying the significance of his NFL statement. And he says, and I quote, Colonel Sanders called blacks to end bomb. Schnatter said before complaining that Sanders never faced public backlash. Schnatter also reflected on his early life in Indiana, where he said people used to drag African-Americans from trucks until they died. He apparently intended for the remarks to convey his antipathy to racism, but multiple multiple individuals on the call found them to be offensive. The way to not be tied in with racist organizations is maybe don't say racist stuff. I I know that sounds crazy. (laughs) It sounds insane. There is no situation, and we could all use a lesson on this, absolutely no situation, not one situation as a white person where you should ever, ever, ever be able to say that word. It does not exist. Uh, I don't know why people continue to try to find caveats uh, for reasons why it's okay to say that or terms. I just, I, he cannot act surprised that this happened. You just can't. In the context where he uses it, you can look at it like, um, all right, he's trying to say, what are we, t- here's the way I took this article is he's like, what are we talking about here? It used to be way worse than it is now. It's not a big deal. And if that's that way, if that's the context in the way he used it, then yeah, he he comes off as a bigot, no question about it, and he has to be gone. Now, why this ties into recruiting is because most of the players that play football are African American. Is that correct. correct? Would you agree with that, guys? 
Okay, so now the name of that stadium where you go, you know, play for free and risk your life and limb is under the name of the company that this guy who expressed these type of opinions, it's named after him. He's sponsoring it, right? So um, Jalen Smith tweeted out something to the effect of, you know, uh, we got to change the name of this, uh, not Jalen Smith, I'm sorry. Seth Dawkins tweeted out, we got to st- change the name of the stadium. I'm not here for this. And then um, Jalen Smith, another wide receiver, was like, not at all. So these are players on a team, and they are voicing their um, displeasure, obviously, with you know the, the name of the stadium being uh, sponsored by this guy. And, and, and it, it branched out into recruiting when um, 5.63 star and Louisville – uh, native Aiden Robbins, who's a running back slash linebacker, who's committed to Louisville. He grew up here. He he plays at uh, Dupont Manual, which is right across the street from the campus. Um, he 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 was like uh, Papa John Stadium, nah. And he did the throw up emoji and the you know the, like no sign. And then um, Jordan Clark, who is also a uh, four star cornerback from Louisiana, who's being recruited by Louisville retweeted Aiden's sentiment. And now if you don't know who Jordan Clark is, he is the son of Ryan Clark, who is uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, former free safety who played in the league for, for over a decade. I think he made the pro bowl once. And he's also a uh, staunch supporter of the NFL anthem movement. So regardless of what your personal view is on this, it's affecting recruiting. Um, in a negative light while that Papa John's banner is over top of this field where these kids are going to be playing. So here's what do you here's think the, the long-term effect is going to the be? The only question left in this is we should probably set an over under for how long until they change the stadium name. I was going to, I was going to originally say that it would be changed at the time this well, podcast that, came out. The- I don't think that's probably possible, but I'll give it, I'll set the over under it six days before they, they take this name off the stadium. Dave, I, I don't know if you I don't know if you get much into contract law or if you if you if you know much about business law or anything like that. I, I think I think this is this is a terrible situation for Louisville, not necessarily because, um, I, you know, Papa John, as as we'll call him, is out. Right. He's he's out as the so. So from from that perspective, I, I mean, what's what's left of the country or the company rather and the people that are running it are probably going to say, listen, you know, I, we've got you know, we've got him out of the company. It's no longer gonna, should be associated with the things that he said, and it, it's. I mean, it's going to be a nightmare if you're. I and and I. I don't know off the top of my head the name of the athletic director at Louisville. I should have looked it up while you guys were talking. But what a nightmare for him if if the school decides to say we need to find a new stadium sponsor to get out of whatever deal that they had in place with Papa John. And the issue being now that he's no longer with the company and, 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 and the company looking up. Well, there has to be a morality cause in there, right? Where if you embarrass yourself. For naming rights to a stadium? I mean, it's not, it's not the John Schnatter stadium or <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's the company. It's a, but he's Papa John though. He's the face. Yeah, if he's you, the face. If you company. think of Papa John, he's, he's standing right next to Peyton Manning. You know, and 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 um, the the AD's name is Vince um, Tyre or Tyra, my bad. And um, he's he's done a really good job here because you know Louisville has been, for lack of a better term, a dumpster fire recently. I mean, they, they just it's the hits just keep on. Think coming. about if it was named after Subway and all the stuff with their Jarrett guy went down. 
they would have a morality right. to get out of that. I mean, and I'd say that Papa John is more the face of. I'd say I'd say that John Schnatter is more the face of Papa John than Jared is the sub the the face of Subway. Would you guys not agree with that? I, I mean, if you order a pizza for Papa John, his face is on a freaking box. You know what I'm saying? And now so he's got, he's got a, a long book. history of uh, just really being an idiot. <laughs> I mean, it's and, it's and not yeah. even just this. Yeah, he does, and 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 I'll tell you what, Bobby Petrino, the football coach, his. Children are biracial. His um, his daughter married uh, L.D. Scott, who's the D-line coach there, and they have kids together. So, I, I mean, this is just a circus for Louisville right now. I mean, yeah, it, A team that wasn't even recruiting well to begin with at this moment. No, terrible. I mean, is, is there a program, start to bottom, or top to bottom, you know, across the board, and the athletics uh, venue just needs a complete can, – can we rebrand? Can we change the logo – Move the school over about three miles to the left or something like that. Just move it to Indiana yeah. <laughs> across the river. Uh, oh man. That, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be quite the situation. I guess we'll we'll everybody will keep track and see what goes on. Um, you know, as far as far as as far as what goes on with the naming of the stadium and so on and so forth. Now let's let's change uh, let's stay within college football and talk about something maybe with a little bit lighter uh, tone, I suppose. And Rob, you found this story as well. And um, just like I had Dave explain the Papa John scenario, why don't, why don't you lead us in here with the, the discussion of the Air Force defensive coordinator? Well, it's the most, and we talk about football guy things in air quotes on this podcast a lot. It might be the most football guy thing in the history of the world. I, I, it, it's up there. <laughs> I'm not sure. So Air Force's head coach, uh, his last name is Calhoun. I cannot remember his first name. Uh, Troy, it's Troy Calhoun. That's exactly who it is has hired a defensive coordinator to replace his departed defensive coordinator, which is a normal thing that college football coaches do. The catch here is he won't tell anybody who the defensive coordinator is. There's not, he doesn't really give a reason why he's not telling you. He's just refusing to share the name with the media, which I don't understand why, (laughs) except just to do a football coach thing where they like to keep everything secret for absolutely no reason. I can't say that I care that much about this story, but I care enough to mention it, which I guess, which I guess says something. What is the possible motivation for having a secret defensive coordinator? Well, if, if I could just say a couple of things, not necessarily answering your question, the, the, the things that I like, and first of all, the article was on uh, sportsillustrated.com, which, uh, and, and, and there, was, there was a note in there that kind of took a jab at the fact that they gave up so many points on the field last season and what's the big secret if, if your defense is that bad which i appreciated second of all if anybody cared hey, rob you're i mean you're more you fancy yourself to be more of a, a, a journalism type person in this field than i think most of us do um isn't there isn't there somebody in some newspaper that's going to take pride in cracking you know get, getting the getting the tip and breaking the story as to who the actual defensive coordinator is where are our journalism uh, brethren here stepping in and, and making a difference in this story. That's what I need. I don't think there is one. That's my take. Um, I think that this is posturing. I don't know why. Uh, I think maybe he's just sick of answering the question. <laughs> but if you have somebody in place, A, if there's a contract signed, it becomes public record and people could easily get that. You know, you could just FOIA request that and it would come to you. So if he does have somebody that he's verbally agreed upon with, there's no contract signed. He's obviously doing this for other football coaches, which is about 90% of what all football coaches say and do are for other football coaches. Like, look how mean I can be to the media. Look how, you know, look how secretive I can be. I don't, it comes from like the Nick Saban, Bill Snyder school of secrets for secret's sake. Uh, and I think our boy kind of fancies ourselves 
one of him, but it's, does anybody care enough about Air Force A and B? How do you recruit with a, you would think you'd have to tell a player that you're recruiting who his defensive coordinator is, correct? They're going to want to know. What are you going to tell these kids? Well, that's a secret because if you tell the kids, it's going to get out. So if it is actually a secret. If, if fall camp is start, I, I don't know when they start fall camp. I guess it's probably still still too early for that. But they, they want to practice out there. The secret's going to be out of the bag, right? Unless they close it off to media. I mean, somebody's going to figure it out. I guess. Unless they're just going to have like a, a communal group of coaches and he's just not going to give anybody the tag, which would be an also a very – you know, a very football coach thing to do is to make one of these coaches earn the tag of defensive coordinator, even though there is one de facto, you know, I can also see that happening. I like it. I like it. You it's would. a good strategy because first <laughs> of all, well, hold on, hold on. Let me hear me out. Hear me out, bro. All right. I'm the PR firm, right? Who cares who the Air Force uh, defensive coordinator is going to be? I didn't, you know, no one cares about Air Force, right? But now we're here talking about who it's going to be because he's withheld it. It's secretive now. It's a big reveal. I, I, now people care. I guess from, from from that from that aspect, I could see it working. But uh, what is the point? I, do you think that's really the point? Do you think Calhoun has really sat in bed and said, "I'm going to make people talk about Air Force"? How can I do that? I, no, he's not that smart. Football coaches are not smart. Uh, well, for the most part, that's a sweeping generalization. But for the whoa, the, controversial. For the now I know what Woody's talking about. Now I know what's what. Every time I'm on this show with Woody, he's like, "Dave, calm down. You're getting into Rob Cassidy territory. We're gonna have to get this edited." Now well, I know. I don't what he's think that's a giant about. secret that these aren't. This isn't a group of the most intellectual wine sniff, like sipping cheese snobs on the planet. I mean, they're they're pretty much simple, salt of the earth characters. I, I've met a lot of football coaches. There aren't very many of them that are master manipulators of the media. I think to say the least. And I don't think that I don't think that Troy Calhoun has cooked up a plan to get the media talking about Air Force football by withholding a defensive coordinator's name. He might have hired laundry services to come in and, and you know what I mean? <laughs> I really hope that I really I really hope that the beat writers on the if I was a beat writer on the Air Force beat, I would bring in one of those guess who boards and sit across from him and be like, is your defensive coordinator wearing glasses? <laughs> oh <laughs> put that on the pieces. It'd be a really wait, good wait, one. Wait. Is is the reporter from like Stars and Stripes, like Joker from Full Metal Jacket? Does <laughs> <laughs> your defensive coordinator have a mustache? <laughs> That's pretty good. I, I will say too, the other thing that caught my eye in that story it was the, uh, and, and this is completely unrelated, were the, were the mock-ups for the new Tampa Bay Rays Stadium as well, and uh, and. Igor. and 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 I have not I, I I have not watched a lot of baseball this season on account of you know you, you want to talk about burning burning things down Papa John style as the way the, the Marlins have this past season and I so I went to look because I remember I remember the I remember the Rays trying to get a, a new stadium some years ago had a beautiful design in place on the water and they just couldn't get traction because they, you know there there wasn't enough money in, from investors there wasn't enough fan attendance now all of a sudden they're coming out with this. Gorgeous looking space age stadium. The, the mock-ups look delicious. And here we are. I go to check the, the baseball attendance numbers for this season. First of all, Florida in last place with under 10,000 fans a game, which is disgusting and disturbing, especially you would think they would get at least 1500 people just to come to the Clevelander in the outfield every, you know, at least once a week. That didn't happen. Second to last place, Tampa Bay, just over ten thousand. So why all of a sudden do they get the new stadium now? I think that it's going to answer know. their. Okay, so that stadium you've been to it. it. It's but that was the Marlins' argument. That was the Marlins' argument. We're going to put it in oh, Little no, Havana. All the people are going. Yeah. No. 
Right, I know, but but if if you're going to tell me that a new stadium placed in the right neighborhood is going to all of a sudden juice interest in baseball because of where you have it and this convenience to, you know, fans or whatever, there's ah. the baseball snob in me. I don't think it's going to work either, so I'm on with you. But what they did with the Marlins stadium is they built it over the site of the old Orange Bowl, as you know, and there's not really a lot of development around there. Where they're putting it in Tampa is basically in the middle of a frat house. Like, I don't know if you've spent much time in Ybor City, but it's a lot of body shots and girls yelling woo 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 in the streets and bars. And it's already kind of a lively uh, area, whereas in Miami, where they built in a little Havana, they were hoping that the stadium would spark development, uh, and they promised the taxpayers that that would happen, and it did not happen. I, you know, I had the misery of sitting through a Mets Rays game this week, so I can see why people are not going to either one of those two teams' games. It, it's, it's, they're both quite miserable. Rob, what do the girls yell again? The Mets wait, are, wait, Rob, what do the girls yell? Oh, it's a lot of woo woo wooing, you know, like. You know. <laughs> Like Zack Ryder's yeah, in the know, ground. See each other. It's a lot of, hey, I'm gonna have to cut that out now and save that for a drop later <laughs> on. Remember, 29 minutes and 45 seconds. All right, cool. So a little, a little bit more lighthearted conversation there. I mean, I, you know, and, and Rob, I, you put this on the list. Both of us are, or did when, when is SEC Media Days again? Uh it's like next week. It's next week. Yes, and I'll be going to Big 12 Media Days. Is there, is there any? Major storylines or any story ideas that you had heading into heading into that week that people can look out for, or, or what? Or what are the main? I'm not going. I think Woody's going. I I was just I wanted to talk about how there are a thousand credentialed reporters for SEC Media Day this year, which is insanity. That event is becoming Super Bowl Media Day. It's like fans. It's impossible to cover. It's you know I bet there will be 400 reporters at Big 12 Media Day. There will be every bit of a thousand at SEC. It's it's a complete circus. I don't know why anybody goes anymore. The access is now restricted because there are just too many people. It, these media days are starting, I think, to become a little bit outdated. I, I think that they're going to start doing these by teleconference. Well, so at the Big 12 media days, what they did last year is they switched to the star in Frisco, which now everybody should be familiar with. And um, <clears throat> they put the – it's it's the Cowboys practice facility, and they put the – it's indoors – it's it's also the Frisco ISD uh, football main football facility as well for for games on Fridays and Saturday nights and um, they moved they moved it there instead of a traditional hotel ballroom which was a fantastic idea set up a stage in the one end zone all the reporters sit on the you know where the rest of the field is last year was you know of course our our favorite one of our favorite speaking points Tom Herman's first uh, media days the the attendance for what it was worth at the big 12 media days doubled in size just for tom herman's uh presser and you know and any availability that he might have had um big 12 media days not- was it mostly actual reporters though the issue with sec media day is there's like fans with sec championship belts walking around the lobby and it's really turned into a circus yeah with big 12 media day at least when i used to cover it it was mostly working media so it was like normal people right yeah well you know i i i, I can speak up in my you know, limited experience in dealing with her. Joni Lehman is not going to have any any such hijinks go on at the Big 12 media day. She really, the first year that I applied for credentials to go cover Big 12, she's like, nah, who, gave me the whole, who, now nah, who do you work for? Rivals? What's Rivals.com? That ain't going to fly at Big 12 media day. So, uh, so be on the lookout for plenty of good content there from me, I'm sure. Uh, coming out of the <laughs> coming out of those events as well. So, <laughs> all right. Well, that and you know that. Hey, listen. That uh, surprise, surprisingly meaty meaty show as far as the stuff that we had to talk about. I thought. Did you guys have? Do you guys have any tweets flagged for tweet of the week? Because I'm never on the lookout for anything like that. Well, no, we, I've been we Twitter's forgot, such we a cesspool. 
we forgot the AAU oh, basketball. Oh, you're right. And since we don't have tweets of the week, let's talk about AAU basketball because that was rife with tweets and video coming out of that uh, slobber knocker, <laughs> as it was. I've co- yeah, sorry. <laughs> now, listen, I've, I've covered a lot of AAU basketball prior to my time uh, taking over here in Texas. When I say cover, I mean shoot video. I've, you know, and I've seen dust-ups. I lived in Atlanta with Woody. We played pickup basketball at LA Fitness. Lots of dust-ups. I've never seen something to the level that I saw when Dave, when you sent me those magical tweets, uh, world star hip hop style of this AAU basketball tournament going on, where refs just getting pummeled by the Chicago AAU basketball team, and it really took things to a whole new level. And I, I mean, you wanted to talk a little bit about how that kind of parlays into the seven on seven culture, but guys, quick, uh, your your takes and um, t- you know points of view on on the confounding footage from that basketball tournament my, my well, take is that the, the, the refs didn't i mean the refs took an l for sure but they didn't retreat i was pretty surprised that they were moving forward uh, you know these are refs that kind of wanted the smoke you know it would be really easy for them to run and hide well the head wrap that came in there the, did you see the second camera angle the 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 bigger dude that came in from off the court just leveled a guy into the stands <laughs> But yeah, when the dude and, and and Dave, this is again where we could use your legal expertise. Is, is Woody will remind everybody that once a guy is on the ground, once you start hitting him on the ground, that's a full blown felony. Am I correct? When he's defenseless like that, and then and then the lead ref from the other court just comes in and just slams the dude into the bleachers, and then just walks away and starts looking for the next guy to you know to, to regulate on. But I mean, holy cow, wow. Well, the legal thing is this, how much damage was done to the person's body, right? So that's what elevates it from a misdemeanor to a felony, right? So if you just got a bunch of bruises or whatever, that's misdemeanor level stuff, right? So if you're going to beat a guy up, beat him with a bag of oranges because they don't leave any bruises, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but but I'm, I'm looking at the video now, and it starts off with uh, three, like, long, six-foot, five-ish uh, AAU high school guys and the ref is on the ground. Now, I don't know how much experience you guys have in street fights, but I have a lot. And I'll that tell you, surprise. I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight a long guy because a long guy can keep you at arm's reach and just light you up with, with jabs and punches. And before you know it, you're punch drunk, you're out, you know, you're waking up, you know, two days later in an ICU with tubes in your nose and your throat, right? So this ref's on the ground surrounded by very long, uh, you know, high school athletes that are in their prime who can, you know, they, they can, like, if you've been in a fight for a while, five minutes in a fight is an eternity, right? This is a 57 second clip video. So I'll give you the play by play. So the ref's laying on the ground and there's three players from RAW Athletics. They're from Chi-Town. Shout out to Chi-Rack. So the, the ref's laying on the ground, and he's getting he, – they're, they're kind of like standing over him. They're not really doing anything. One guy kind of like slaps him in his head. He, he, he attempts to get up, right? So he gets up. Somebody shows him. He pops back up like, what, what? You know, so he's ready for that. He's ready for some action. Now, you see this big old bald-headed dude coming in here who looks like – you know, he looks like a left guard maybe. So he's coming out on the court right now, and he kind of goes in there and shoves a guy away. And now this ref is hyped because he got punked. He's on the ground. He's kind of mixing it up in the action now. And, and, and they're trying to restrain him, but he's like, get off me, get off me, you know. So it goes to the sideline. They're trying to break it up. He's he's drawing with the players at this point, you know, and, and they back up. And, and, and so right now we're, we're kind of like it's, it's chill mode. But then 
it really pops off in the next tweet right here. You see, you see him kind of just like a, a come in there and try to like get at this guy, and they scoop him. And so now there's a scrum. He's getting beat down on the ground. It looks like a '90s hip hop beat down cam, and now his shirt's off. So you know it's real because the shirt's off. And yeah, yeah, the beatdown cam is real. And, and now the guy without the shirt is not in the fight anymore. There's some other dudes laying on the ground, and it's all out mayhem. It's malice in the palace. And now you got this big power forward dude kind of coming up, trying to, trying to, um, trying to, you know, escalate the situation. And then whoever was filming the camera, you, you know, you, you screwed up. You, you got scared and you moved. You put the camera on the ground. Nobody could see it. So in the sec- second tweet. My bad. I had the volume on there. My bad. You can hear the the ruckus. They're just pummeling this guy on the ground. And that's when the other ref comes through and just tackles the player that's punching the ref without the shirt. And he goes into the bleachers hard. This is, you know, this isn't like um, Rob's wrestling stuff with like fake breakaway chairs and stuff. This is real steel here on the bleachers. So these guys are in the bleachers. And this thing is going crazy. Number 10 comes out of nowhere. He comes out of nowhere with two vicious right cross to the skinny ref with no shirts on head. And, I mean, this is just out of control. These guys are swinging haymakers from the blind side. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you ever get into a brawl, you always got to watch the guys in the background trying to flank you. If you see a guy trying to flank you, he's actually your most dangerous man. So you want to attack him first, right? Don't let him sneak you. Because if you get snuck, you're going to get hit in the lower mandible. That's your lower jaw. That's the sweet spot. If you get hit in the sweet spot, it's lights out. Next thing you know, you're waking up in ICU two weeks later. Your insurance bills through the roof. You got to put a second mortgage out on your house to pay for the surgery. You know, you you don't want this to happen. What other podcast is going to give you street fight advice like this? Uh, I can't believe I almost forgot to talk about this. I'm so glad that Dave reminded me. <laughs> well, real quick, I'll let Dave get back to it. A. All right, so. Go, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead, go for it. Go, no, no, you fin- go ahead, because it, it, the scrum's broken up now. There's no more play-by-play to be re- A, I enjoyed that the name of this AU team is called Chicago Raw, and, you know, like, confirmed on the name. That's, <laughs> well, it's, R- it's R-A-W, so I don't know what the acronym stands for, but um, we, we, can, we can guess. <laughs> Re- referees, are, referees are warned. Yeah. Referees are whack, son. <laughs> and so the coach, the coach of the Chicago Raw, Howard Martin's quote, and just how, like, laissez-faire he is about this fight. Here's the the quote one of my players he had words with the referee i think he was complaining about a call or something the player was walking back towards the bench and the referee pushed the player so they squared up oh okay how do you explain it that way it seems pretty normal did you guys did you guys see the pac-man jones video of him fighting that that dude in the uh, atlanta airport i wanted to fight a number of people in the atlanta airport so i can't uh, identify with pac-man here I, I wonder what's going to happen there because I mean, guy, for, based based on the footage, the guy it was an airport employee was like badgering him, you know, and and Pac-Man was walking and walking and walking, and then finally it just you know, the, the airport employee initiated contact. I could not understand like what if you're if you're, whew, yeah, I mean, if you're as, as the podcast expert on street fighting now, how high up on the don't ever try to fight list is Pac-Man Jones? I, that's a dude that like he's well, got to be up in the top five, right? Of people you just would not want to fight well you know he's not carrying a strap because he had to go through airport (laughs) security first and foremost so right right well in his favor he got that dog in him as they say but that go but it goes against him and he don't really got the reach you know you don't got the reach so if you're like a big old tsa agent if you're like one of them you know failed power forward tsa agents that i use 
to work with in Philly when I was a TSA agent. Shout out Jay Lawson from Villanova. If you got that reach, you know, you might be able to give Pac-Man at work. But if you're like on an equal playing field with Pac-Man, I, I, I wouldn't. Me, I'm 5'10". I'm not testing Pac-Man. You know, he's, he's going to he's going to. Oh, by the way, R.A.W. stands for real athletes work. So I think that Pac-Man would probably give me that real athlete work, you know, so I probably wouldn't. Well, look, I heard once upon a time that it wasn't how, you know, how big the guy in the fight was, or how long he was. It was two hit two with a brick first. And Pac-Man Jones seems like the kind of guy that would hit you with a brick first. Well, I think Pac-Man, Pac-Man has, has got a history of, of fighting. Um, I, I wouldn't mess with Pac-Man. He, he, he's a dude I don't really want to mess with. So, yeah, but he plays for the Bengals. So, you know, he got into a scrap. He'd probably get a contract extension and a raise. <laughs> All right, and there you have it. That's a, that's a pretty good conversation. I, we're running we're running a little long on time here. And Dave, uh, you brought up that we have a review. I don't even know how to access the iTunes reviews from uh, a desktop platform as I'm on right now. So, would you do the honors and and uh, read the review here for uh, this wonderful podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. All right. So this is um, posted on July eighth, two thousand eighteen. After uh, you, yourself, Nick, myself, and Woody did our podcast, and it, we were addressing like the fake stars from Ed Reed and Deion Sanders. So the comment is from Rod Hot, and it says, Great show, exclamation mark. Woody, Dave, and Nick did a great job discussing the issues regarding stars. I always look forward to listening to the podcast from week to week. Dave was simply hilarious. Now, you're definitely, a, you're definitely an upgrade. Uh, it's, it's definitely good to have you here. Oh, There's no doubt about it. The check's in the mail, brother. <laughs> so, all right. So do we have any um, any rants or recommendations this week? I'm not sure. I, I went to go see Ant-Man and the Wasp the other night. It was enjoyable. But uh, I got nothing, man. I'm just I'm so beaten down by Mets baseball that I don't. Oh, brother. <laughs> I don't even, you need on, a new stadium in your neighborhood. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Rob, come on, man. Like, you're a Mets fan. You're used to this. Remember when you collapsed against the Phillies in 2007? Well, that was I do, and I, uh, that, <laughs> I got uh, I got thrown out of a bar that night, the last day of the season. Where no way! Lavin gave up seven runs in the first inning. You got uh, you got kicked out of a thrown bar. out of a bar. Uh, I, I had a temper tantrum, got thrown out of a bar, and then one of my really good friends actually called the police on me. <laughs> Which that's a whole different story for a different podcast. We can we can get into that. We can get into that later. Is a good right. friend a good friend if he calls the cops on you? No, absolutely. I think he not. was scared for his. I think he was scared for his well being. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was it was bad. I, it was it was it was not my finest. Well, well hold on, Rob. Well, let's let's okay. Your friend was afraid of his well being from you. Now, now you do not have antagonizing me, and I went after him. But you don't. <laughs> he called the police. Now, Rob, you, you you're from Brooklyn and you live down in South Florida, so you may have that dog in you. All right, I'm, I'm, I'll give you that, but you do not have the reach now. You do have like an explosive base. So, like, did you ever wrestle? <laughs> I did. Yeah. See, all right. All right. So, as a middle schooler. Okay. So, back to the fight advice. You don't want to fight a wrestler because if they get you on the ground, they're going to choke you out. And if you get choked out, then you wake up two days later in ICU and all that stuff, and that's not good. Now, Nick. Now, Nick. See, Nick's in shape, though. Nick, See, Nick is probably the more imposing of anybody on this podcast. Four hosts. I'm running. I'm running hard. I'm running fast. The opposite direction, as quickly as possible. <laughs> Nick, you look like a baseball player to me. Did you play baseball back in the day? No, I was a soccer guy. 
soccer guy. Uh, okay, because you do kind of give off like the the baseball pitcher vibe that are like kind of beating you in the head with an eighty mile an hour fastball. <laughs> if I'm sizing you all up, you know, like so. So Rob's the wrestler. Nick, you look like you could throw something really heavy at. I would. I, I would throw. I would throw a drink in somebody's face and run away. That would be my fight strategy. <laughs> Whatever's in my hand. <laughs> Create a diversion. Woody's the one you really got to be afraid of, though, because he is like legitimately mentally insane. Um, and I say that with all the love in the world. I, you know, I love Woody, but he's a crazy person. You, you can't he will fight hit crazy. something. That is a man. That is a man that will use a weapon. Well, we we've had some stories with Woody, and, and Woody has been through some some uh, traumatizing events. I'll, I'll let Woody touch on that. But yeah, I, Woody, you can't fight crazy. Also, Woody's like sneaky athletic. At least when he talks about his athleticism, I haven't seen it with my own eyes, but from what I've heard, he's he's sneaky athletic. Now, Rob, you you did say something at the five star challenge because Woody's always talking about how good he is at basketball, right? He can and shoot it. There's no doubt about it. But you did say, and I quote, Woody's a lot better at talking about how good he is at basketball than actually <laughs> playing. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. See, but both of these things can be true. Um, he's actually pretty good. He's definitely better than I am. But he is an all-world level trash talker for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, so it's not, it's not about him talking about how good he is. And him not actually being good. He's good. He's just he's just a much better trash talker. That's the distinction there. So, so that's, he's not that's a, the, he's not as good as he says he is. But he's nope. like, well, right? No, he can shoot. He can legitimately shoot it. I mean, you'd be when he, he's a streaky shooter though. So it's not like you can catch him on a bad day. But if he makes two, it's going to be a long day. He's so going he's, he's to see the alert for this podcast pop up on his phone. He's going to get to this part and hear all this conversation, and we are going to have some answer to do next week. Hold on, hold on. No, Rob, Rob, you're, you're a New York guy. You're acting up on my phone. I don't get reception here. <laughs> Rob, hold up, Rob, you're a New York guy. Is he John Starks? Will he John Starks you? In the yeah, in the way that in the way that he shoot you out of the building, and then every once in a while he'll go two for ten. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's streaky in that way. But he'll, but he'll always tell you how good he was afterwards, though. The thing. Yeah, no doubt about Especially it. If you beat him, it's Nicholas. It's Nicholas Arrow's fault. <laughs> shout out to nick lazaro yeah right yeah the the picture perfect basketball player nick lazaro our photo editor at rivals.com so all right nick. So we get along here we can't we can't yeah. be breaking down basketball games well let's let's scrap ransom recommendations let's let's all save save a good one for next week right now because we're you know we're put, touching up on an hour here but dave thanks again for joining us as always the the fight, the fight conversation was uh, much appreciated on this blase, boring podcast otherwise. And Rob, good to have you back. And, and we'll catch you all next week. M-Deuce, play us out.